welcome to the Panoramic Outdoors Podcast, connecting you to all things outdoors. We're rolling on episode 134 here of the Panoramic Outdoors podcast. Glad to have you joining us tonight. Uh, all you listeners out there, thanks for tuning in. Uh, this episode, we have Thomas Myers joining us from Myers Taxidermy to talk uh, a little bit about how to get into taxidermy and his his journey into the taxidermy world. And uh, Thomas is uh, just an all-around cool fellow. But before we get to that... This episode of the Panoramic Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Jiffy Ice Augers. You know, Ice Up is just around the corner, and don't wait to get some new Ice Augers in your hands before everything's all, you know, getting out there already. Order your stuff today, jiffyonice.com, and uh, get yourself set up with a brand new auger. Tristan, how's it going, buddy? Oh, not too bad, not too bad. Just on the tail end of an extended weekend here, so... Got a few things done around the house. Got out hunting once and uh, with uh, Josh and Tyler there. Went pretty well. And kind of just enjoying the the early season of fall, I would say. A little bit of gardening, getting done. And yeah, a couple of duck hunts under the belt so far. Feels good. Nice. Yeah, you've been out a couple times for birds now and had Willie working there a couple times too. How's that going this year? Pretty good. He's starting to pick up on cues so he's starting to watch the sky a little better which is always exciting to see he's he's made a couple longer trees which is good to see that the drive's there nice and then uh yeah i think the rest of it will kind of just come together with experience i think he's he's got all the right fundamentals in place uh a little bit more maybe handwork in the water he'll benefit from mm-hmm. but uh we you know i kind of also training him for upland so like uh, the skill set's a little different for a couple of these things too, right? Yeah. You had him out there with, uh, with Cy running him at the same time. Did you see any, like, uh, any things that, uh, Willie was picking up off of Cy or was he, Willie kind of running his own show? Uh, Willie and Cy definitely operate differently. We'll say Cy's a, Cy's a mature lab at this point in time. He's got his, his ways and his run of the boat and uh, size in there early and is steady and goes and snags up the bird and, and mm-hmm. then kind of, you know, takes his time coming back with it. And Willie's more like high octane, but uh, will wait to get sent. So he, Willie's got to be able to track the bird a little bit better. And so sometimes he's got to watch side for that a little bit more it's just it gets a little busy in the boat sometimes with there's two guns going off and two dogs going off at the same time yeah no kidding well i guess i mean all that comes with experience and size what turning on 10 years old now or something like that so i don't know too many more dogs that have retrieved more birds than that that uh that lab there so yeah i'll tell you what though if uh if you thought one dog got the boat wet I can tell you what two dogs fighting over a duck does to the boat. <laughs> get, the, get the bail bucket out, eh? Yeah, it's pretty funny. Jeez. Well, it looks like a, a few good hunts anyway, so that's pretty awesome. 
Um, how about on your end there? You just come back from the Elkwoods and uh, like a few busy days out there. Yeah, yeah. So obviously we had that that uh, first hunt a couple weeks ago, and then um, I headed back out. Just it actually just turned out to be like two days of hunting together, like two mornings, two evenings, and um, it was pretty good, man. The first morning. Uh, or the first evening I got there, I couldn't hunt because, well, I couldn't hunt the spot I wanted to because, uh, um, there was other guys hunting in the spot already within the other quad parked at the trail. I wanted to go down. So like, all right, plan B, plan B didn't work out. I had a little bear encounter. And then, uh, the next day I got kind of tuned into a, a local hotspot, the spot that I've, I've encountered some pretty good elk action in the past, but I talked to the farmer who I kind of go through his property and he says yeah there's like seven elk bugling on the section next to us kind of thing so i was like all right this sounds promising and uh yeah i had a really great morning um seeing uh four bulls that morning um closest was like 20 yards through the woods pretty nice bull chasing a cow uh got winded by him and then uh ended up seeing a spiker chased another bull around for a little bit seeing the tail of him and then just ran into a bull standing in a meadow on my way back through the through the woods and bumped bumped three groups of elk there and it was uh, quite the morning and came back in the evening ran into another two bulls one snuck in on me well they both kind of snuck in on me i was doing some blind calling and uh it was a it was a heck of a saturday man sunday chased around one bull for a bit but it was it was a pretty quiet morning and uh the toughest thing was that it had rained for like two days straight and it was so wet out there. And even when it wasn't raining, just the, the moisture in the vegetation was just soaked, especially first thing out in the morning, you know, how heavy the dew gets and stuff like that. And you get some of the fog out there and you're just soaked as soon as you get in the woods. And I ran my rain pants for the first couple of days. And the last day I just figured, ah, you know what, I'm, I'm getting soaked like right through my rain pants, pretty much just like wicking up through the bottom, I guess. And, uh, I just went without rain pants, but a bit of a savior was having that wool love out there, man. And it was like, I was saturated. I don't know if you've seen the Instagram post I did today, but saturated right to the bone and pretty much like it's almost instantly when you got out there, you were stoked. And, uh, it was nice because it was kept you comfortable out there in the woods, right? Even when it's soaking wet, that merino wool does, does wonders and it's kept me warm and temperature regulated and uh it gave you gave gave me the confidence to go out and being like all right today's gonna be a shit day but uh i know i got some good gear on me so i can withstand the the shitty weather so out you went and chased around bugles yeah i've definitely been i don't always like being wet because i get it's like uncomfortable yeah but I, i at this point i've never been too concerned that i'm gonna be in any danger because i'm cold yeah as of late, right yeah um so like that that merino base definitely makes a big difference in like between the wicking and the uh being able just keeping you warm enough kind of scenario but yeah being <laughs> the psychological aspect of being wet all day is a, is a different one i feel like but yeah um, that's that's a tough part but uh tell you what a couple of bugles in the morning just gets your mindset right and uh you don't even think about being wet as long as you're not cold <laughs> yeah that that would get you to that would be the psychological perk for sure yeah um 
and I'm wondering too, did you, so that's kind of the, the cap on the elk season there then, eh? Or are you thinking, I guess that's it, eh? Yeah. Yeah. That's all I'm going to be able to get out for, unfortunately. Um, I was, uh, yeah, I'd like to get out for more, but just the way, the way it's going this year, I don't think I'll be able to slide out again, which is fine. Um, I mean, minus killing a bull or killing any elk really, um, pretty successful season for only having five days of hunting in and uh had a couple close encounters that last evening there is 10 yards from a bull uh snuck in on me when i was blind calling there so good encounters hindsight would have done things some things a little bit different but uh hindsight's always 2020 and you never really know how it would run run play out anyways but um happy with the season how it went but man it's like elk hunting is like psychologically one of the toughest things it's almost like i feel like being a heroin addict because like you get this crazy encounters and then uh when it's over you're just like you either want more or you're just exhausted and just burnt out from it so um it's it's uh, pretty wild i was putting in some pretty early mornings and i skipped my midday naps i was getting up at like 4 4 30 and kind of getting a coffee and me and and i got out into the woods like I was at my spot that I wanted to listen for bugles um, about 45 minutes before legal light. So um, often heard bugles as soon as I got there. So it, it played out good, but uh, sure makes for a long wait in the dark. But I mean, it's it's worth it to, to catch a bugle out there early. Um, well, besides that, if you guys are interested in getting some, some premium uh, merino base layers, some wool love, Head over to the website wool.love and you can get all sorts of packages there. Save a bunch of money when you bundle stuff up. I had the the socks on, the long johns as I call them, and the upper uh, crew, crew neck cut uh, long sleeve on all weekend and it, it's fantastic. They're so comfortable. Their stuff is also available on Amazon though if you uh, want to run it through Amazon. So uh, check them out. That's Wool Love. They also have a sister company called North Wool. It's a little bit of a thicker of a, a mid-layer style. And it's uh same thing, as, but it's got some more spandex in it. And it's uh, pretty comfy stuff as well. So check them out, Wool Love and North Wool. You can find North Wool on the website under the North Wool section at the wool.love website. If that wasn't too yeah. Conf- confusing. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh... Makes me think of old Tommy there too. He's got a few, few good elk stories under the belt. We picked up on there. Yeah, definitely a few good deer stories, and it uh, kind of f- interesting to hear how he came around to taxidermy because I I wasn't sure, but it uh, I figured it was going to be a good story, and uh, you know it's just interesting to see how someone arrives at that point in their life, and obviously he's done good because he's seems like he's got clients out the wazoo and also like is able to kind of have the work that he wants to do in so many ways right so yeah yeah he certainly does good and he's got that creative mind and um it's always looking to to better as his craft by the sounds of it so he's got the right mindset for it and uh yeah looks like he's doing great for himself so here we go episode 134 tommy myers we hope you enjoy this one up and I was like holy smokes and 
walked in, shot a spike, and screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there's no intel like the farmer intel though. I tell you that much. They're just like no, because I've been trying to find a spot like that ever. He sold his land, and uh, so I'd went. It was like five or six years since I shot that spike before I got like on in. Well, last year I shot another one, and then uh, but I've been trying to find farmers and you hear about guys all the time saying oh yeah well a farmer got metis in there to shoot a bunch of elk and i'm like why can't i find these guys like yeah try so hard to find a farmer that's got an issue with elk and i can never do it but yeah i want to find the crop insurance agents and pick their brain actually our uncles do that maybe we should start asking them yeah that's that's like that's the key to it is just find those right spots like the uh that's a yeah that's a good point the ducks used to be good for that though too. I'd imagine, eh? Like the mm-hmm. I, I remember talking to the farmers up there, and they all I don't say hated the elk, but like they were they like they do though. It's like that that gets the point. They just want them gone. Yeah. And uh, uh, when we were out there, guys that were huge, big into hunting, they were telling us to go on their land to shoot the elk. They're like, do not yeah. shoot a whitetail. Yeah. But you can shoot any elk you want. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we never got on elk in their spots, but like, it's just, they do so much damage to the crops. Like, the guy that I shot that spike on, he was telling me he was cutting in a field and uh, he looked out, and I forget what kind of field he said it was, but he just seen it was just like crops flying in the air. And then he cruised up onto the drainage ditch in his tractor and he looked out and there's an elk and he was like doing a wallow, but he was in the middle of his, in this field. And it was like corn or something. And he was just like, there's corn stalks flying everywhere. And this thing was just destroying the field. And yeah. so that's like, I get a little ticked I, off. But. I heard stories of like a uh, bull elk just living in a cornfield for yeah. until it gets harvested. Yeah. Have you seen them work a wallow before? Not in person. It I've is heard wild. One. Yeah. Just like you can. I remember when I first saw like the, the sun was just coming up and this thing was you could see it just the water flying off off the hide that's so thing. cool yeah the, just shredding yeah like you said there's mud flying it's like it it's a spectacle oh yeah it gets you very excited but also re- you you re- realize really quickly like how short a range you have with your your compound bow <laughs> yeah oh yeah like i i've honestly been kind of had opportunities at multiple like really big bulls in the inter like that are just yeah just can't shoot them like 150 yards and like i'm super confident i shoot my bow every day i'm super confident 90 yards like i have no problem taking that shot so i'm like i'm good like and then like he'll call one out in the slough and instead of coming on this side of the slough he'll go around that back far corner way over there and then he'll poke his head out yeah and it's like man so many times like giant bulls and it's the inch lake's a pretty crazy spot for elk but it's also very very hard like yeah I've never had a season where it was like I was on them some days and not on them. Like my seasons have always been, I've been in them the whole season and now it got a shot or like the next year I'll get a tag and I don't even see one. Oh, really? Oh yeah. It's either on or off. Yeah. It's like, I've never had a season where it's like good day, bad day, good day, good day, bad day. It's like shit or (laughs) good. (laughs) Oh man. Well, our first year elk hunting, I remember it was like, um, we got back in the bush and, and you guys didn't have much luck, but I, I no. got into some elk and I was like, there was elk like sneaking in on me and I had one bugle in and like one, like I, I'm pretty sure it's a white tail coming through the sl- swamp cause he's grunting, but 
I was just like, what is this is all kind of this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then and then you get a couple days that just nothing happens. Oh like, yeah. Fuck. It's crazy how fast it can turn off to you. Yeah. Like, man, we were in this one piece and uh we're in the middle of this big property and there's an opening there we could drive the truck through the middle of the property, get into the opening, and then uh I'd hit out some bugles. And I remember we had, we counted seven different bugles all around us. So we were like, which ones do we work? Obviously, like going for the ones with the right wind. But then when we're leaving, we're driving out the trail and there's like a solid bull and he's just walking down the truck trail right to us. And that was last light. And uh, we went back in there in the morning, not a peep. Like, <laughs> it was like, there was elk everywhere. And then the morning, there wasn't anything. So like, when they're on, it's they're on. But when they when they're off, it's yeah. We've been ghosted like that for sure too before. Yeah, definitely have been. Put something to bed and there's just yeah. nothing, nothing there in the morning. She never know what happens overnight there either. Like yeah, usually on. especially in those hot days, man. Like they're yeah. I feel like they're heavily active at night. Oh yeah, if it's cooling down. Yeah, yeah. So, tough to find them, but um, we kind of went down the the rabbit hole. The rabbit hole on <laughs> some. Manitoba elk hunting here, <laughs> but we're we're sitting in uh, the shop of uh, Myers Taxidermy, owned by Thomas Myers, who's on the other end of the mic here tonight with us. And we're doing this one in person, which is sweet. We haven't done this for quite some time, and uh, quite the awesome environment we're in. But uh, Thomas, thanks for joining us on the podcast tonight. You know, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's uh, I, I've been I've been like stalking your instagram for quite some time now i'm like man i gotta get my gotta get in that shop and check this yeah, place out sure. <laughs> yeah i'm just thinking i gotta shoot something big enough to bring here yeah yeah <laughs> how many spikes do you have come through a year well there's a few of them <laughs> i was uh i was contemplating doing a euro mount on this on a, a, a spike spike White I think they're sweet. Uh, those are some of my favorite ones, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah, nice. I love that. This <laughs> is some character, right? Eh? Like, oh you, yeah, you throw it up at a honky tonk and like, yeah, yeah, maybe definitely. a few Christmas lights around it or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna try and uh, sell it to a few folks as a as a black tail. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but never got around to it. Things massive. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyways, so. We're going to start this off like we normally do with our, our five burning questions here. I got five lined up and uh, we'll do our little get to know you session with Thomas here and then uh, we'll get chatting. But question number one, you do quite a bit of hunting. What's your favorite in the field snack? Um, little fruit packs like the Welch's. Yes. What they're called. Yeah. That's probably my go to. That's a solid answer. Yeah. I like them. I got a lot of those around the house now that I have a two-year-old. Yeah. Lots of fruit snacks hanging around. Yeah, that'll, uh, well, I got three kids in the house, so we normally, uh, you buy a box of them and then they're gone within yeah. a day or two. So. You got to hide them for <laughs> <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> uh, question number two, um, what's on the playlist these days? We kind of got a, a preview of that on the, got in here, but. Uh, um. Yeah, it's been a lot of Zach Bryan lately, that yeah. kind of stuff. More in the country tunes. I was into heavy metal for a little while when the early spring here, early summer, but now it's been more Zach Bryan kind of just nice, calm country music. Man, Zach Bryan is, he's uh, he's one guy that's kind of 
taking the world by storm yeah like crazy it's just rocketing up and oh yeah kind of mm. nice to see though like i feel like like see yeah. some good music at the oh yeah for sure get the coverage yeah and i, and I feel like he's he kind of did it in an interesting way too like i don't, I don't know his full story but it, was, uh, it seems like he kind of owned his own brand there for a long time before yeah he got it still there. seems he's kind of just doing his thing like it's uh pretty cool to see like yeah real authentic yeah it's yeah. like there's two sides to it. Like I've been listening to him for for a few years. So like you listen to those artists before they're big, and then you're kind of sad when they go big because you're you know mainstream now. But yeah, it's like he seems to be sticking to his roots. So yeah, yeah. that's cool. Um, obviously, big hunter. Do you have any uh, bucket list hunts or dream hunts? It changes so much. Like I go on big phases with things. Um, I want to do like yukon moose really bad that would be one of my dream hunts Mm -hmm. and then uh mountain caribou's one and then uh um uh goats mountain goats yeah 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 Yeah. they're just so beautiful um such a cool animal yeah nothing uh nothing exotic or nothing the exotic stuff like i like working with it in the shop here it's just there's so many cool animals in north america yeah and the way the animals here the way they rut the way the terrains they're in like it's they just to me there's not much i can compare to them yeah like that's they do they do it for me yeah 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 that's cool have you worked on any goats in the in the shop here no uh not yet not yet i've got one coming in so that's, uh, you must be excited or i am very excited and also a little nervous because i gotta make sure the shop's pretty clean in here because they're <laughs> so white so but it'll be it'll be fun i'm excited for it that's sweet yeah that's cool uh question number four what's your dream hunting rig so like we're talking off-road unit here it would probably be the same as like my dream like vehicle you mean like uh like i'm um, like quad or oh side quad by side or, something? or something like that um honestly the perfect rig is like an early 2000s honda four tracks yeah small light you can fit it in the box of truck easy they're like when they're running good they're running good you can yeah put them through whatever and they're not gonna break and they're just they're so small probably put around through the block and be okay yeah like i remember when i uh first like first started hunting and we'd be out with my dad and his brothers and that and we'd have like six full-grown guys on this old honda (laughs) going through a field and like the thing didn't care at all so they've always had that spot for me but i just think for like a hunting rig that's the perfect little machine yeah well those hondos are man they're like you hear the stories of of guys having them on the farm and having like fifteen thousand miles on them you know and just still going well we got a like at my parents house, a Honda Big Red, the trike. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they bought it new. And they oh, still no have way. it. Yeah, still have it. So yeah. it'll start like in two kicks every time. Yeah. And I i don't know how many deer I've loaded out on that thing. And it's a little spicy because when you put the deer <laughs> on the back rack, there's no weight in the front. So you can't really turn. But <laughs> Dude, you get the glory of your lap down Main Street. Just yeah. Just the whole way with your buck on there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we learned some lessons too in Oak Camp because our buddy brought one up. And it's... uh. You'll go anywhere, but the issue is, is if there's any like willows in the way or something like that, there's, there's nothing between your shins and the willows. No, yeah. So. No. <laughs> yeah. That's the one good thing though. You can get that thing pretty much out of anywhere and just walk it out or whatever. Oh right? yeah. 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 The old big red. Had yeah. some dicey moments on a few of them too. 
Yeah, that's what I grew up on. So there's always, yeah, some uh, excitement always with those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what's the truck? I'm curious now. Like, what's the uh, what's the truck you were going to say? Mid-90s F-150, like the square body. Oh, yeah, yeah. Extended cab. Nice. Just, uh, I've been looking for one. If I can find one, I'll get rid of my vehicle. I'll buy that truck, and that'll be my truck because that's, like, to me, the sharpest looking truck before they went to that round style like when they were the square bodies yeah, yeah. yeah. such a nice old truck and what's that uh what's that movie that the rock had one in there oh um can't think of it it's right, right there yeah anyways like that kind of yeah, yeah exactly i like those trucks too yeah the only thing that um i kind of know about them is that you gotta kind of give them some extra juice yeah you, especially if you want to put some bigger wheels on them or something because they they're not exactly the most powerful stuff. no i think they had gone to the five liter at that point yeah. which is like a strong motor but it's not super powerful yeah so. all right last last question for the burners do you have a, a fear that you want to conquer i'd love to not be scared of spiders <laughs> <laughs> like to, to be brave for my kids and not be scared <laughs> of spiders in the house but man that's uh they're just one thing for me is that right? oh man no way yeah wow i'm pretty good pretty good with anything else like love bear hunting love being around bears but yeah, spiders yeah. man they're just always yeah spiders are kind of creepy though too especially we got some of them uh dock spiders no i was gonna say i don't know what they're called like black racers or something like that or black and they're they can like jump and they oh, just rip yeah. around real fast yeah. no they just freak me out like we uh we'd camp up at the narrows my brother's got a lot up there so they got like orb spiders up there mm-hmm. and oh they just they get everywhere you'll leave the camper there for a week go back and there's webs everywhere and these things are big so they're just yeah, spiders freak me out my house in oak bank is covered in the orb wherever spiders oh. they're everywhere i'm yeah. not here right i haven't really had an issue with spiders but no no huh I wonder what it is with them because they seem to be pretty, pretty prevalent in Oak Bank, and they're like, maybe it's just not like they're the the because we live in like a suburban neighborhood, so maybe they're right. like that they thrive in that like yeah that environment yeah. where there's not a lot of trees and stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know that's my one one big one. I'd love to not be scared of spiders, but man, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't say uh, they don't bother me too much, but I mean if they got on me, I'd, you know. Would yeah. not be too happy about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm a lot better than I used to be, but it's just like it's still. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Fears. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely more on the bear spectrum. <laughs> 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 Those freak me out a little bit more. Yeah. This kind of bugs in general for me. Like lots of I hunted Texas a few years back, and uh, the bugs down there are just so different and like big. Yeah, compared that to the ones up here, for sure. Even the wasps, like our guide put us in this blind, and we were sitting in there, and uh, it was dark, so we're waiting for a light to come up, and we can hear things like moving around on the roof and stuff. And put our flashlight up there, and this thing was just infested with these wasps, come but on. they're nothing like wasps down here. Like these things were huge and super creepy looking, and just everywhere murder hornets yeah it was just <laughs> yes. like it was the worst but yeah it was it was a fun hunt and everything and once we raided the blind out we were able to hunt again but yeah yeah i feel like we're in like manitoba 
um, insect wise, we're we're in a pretty decent spot. We don't really have anything that that yeah. like native that can like really really wreck us too bad besides maybe the odd brown recluse or like a yeah Lyme disease might be the worst one there for us yeah up here. that's right yeah, yeah. <clears throat> which even when you look at our ticks like apparently the ticks in the mountains and stuff like down in the states are way worse for carrying disease and everything and yeah you, you hear the Lyme disease story quite a bit down in like that montana country and stuff yeah so. well guys down there are just like terrified of them yeah like they go out of their way to put stuff on their clothes so the ticks won't go on them and stuff and yeah like i'm not i've you know i grew up in the country so i've never but they've just been a thing you know you yeah. get when you pull it off but i've yeah. never put that much thought into it yeah but. my uh i've spent a bit of time down in arizona and like the thought of having something small like a scorpion that can roam around and like hide in your carpet and or in your bed and drive one to you yeah. that'll like send you into a world of hurt oh yeah that, like that kind of that kind of stuff kind of freaks me out around, like, yeah for sure you can't even see these things and the way people like decorate their houses there they got like the shag carpet that's the same color as the scorpions <laughs> <laughs> yeah is this smart yeah <laughs> i don't know <laughs> but um anyways we kind of got a bit of a intro to your your background in hunting here um just visiting before we fired up the, the mics here but curious how how did your uh you were obviously brought into the hunting outdoor world by family but i'm assuming i didn't get the yeah. full story but yeah tell us a little bit about that yeah well my dad and my uncles <clears throat> they uh they always hunted like my dad stopped for a while when we were young just with you know we have kids you got a lot going on so he kind of stopped for a while but my uncle had always hunted and he uh like loved getting on big deer and stuff and it was always super interesting to me just the white tails in general were always very interesting to me and then my brothers wanted to start hunting so my dad got back into it and him and all his brothers they uh like they owned a decent amount of ranch land and uh um we would do uh like deer drives push and bush it'd be the pretty much my dad all his brothers their friends from when they were young and then when us kids got old enough we'd be out there and i was out there like just walking by my dad's side when i was probably 10 nice and uh i always thought it was just cool you know the family everyone being out there because the only other times your full family really gets together is like christmas or thanksgiving and we would do it in the fall time on the weekend so it was just always pretty fun and then it uh kind of just snowballed into once I started being able to hunt on my own and uh, kind of figuring out that you see more deer and quality deer when you're still hunting and you're sitting and you're trying to set up on them and it just uh, turned into yeah what it is now and just white tails like they're they get me going so it's funny I feel like a lot of the the old-timey tactics are are like especially nowadays the guys that are more serious about hunting you know that that got brought up in the outdoors by by their family or like kind of like all right well maybe this wasn't the best way to do things <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah no i get that yeah we would uh we was it was funny like thinking back to it now like we'd do a deer drive through one bush and then uh one of the relatives would go sit on the field that that bush was on in the evening and it's like well we just scared all the deer a mile away like <laughs> they're coming back they're coming back yeah you never know. Yeah. yeah. You never know. That's funny. And yeah. then uh, we kind of got into the conversation earlier, but we, you know, 
got one of your your grandfather's bucks hanging up on the wall yeah behind you yeah and his rifle and his rifle 300 savage built in i think it would be the 40s is what uh, i had an old feller in here last fall who took the same gun um that was his father's gun and he took it and shot a giant bull in the yukon last year no way. open sights 300 savage so uh he was telling me about my grandpa's rifle there and how like how old the gun actually is but that's all i ever hunted with open sights 300 savage and my dad always said he could shoot anything anywhere like and uh but yeah the big deer up there it um he shot it in the 60s and uh it got hung up in my grandma's the antlers just hung up in my grandma's shop my grandpa died like well way before i was ever born and uh the antlers just hung up in my grandma's shop and they got old gray and weathered and you know she would never let anyone take them they sat in there and then uh i had the brilliant idea of going to learn how to do taxidermy and i asked her if she'd let me mount my grandpa's deer and told her she could put it up in the house i just love to see something happen to the deer and she uh let me take them and uh did the shoulder mount and then uh she let me keep the shoulder mount and hang it up in my shop here so sweet, it's man. something cool to have and cool to look at yeah i'm not gonna lie to you for like a, a first mount that thing looks pretty good yeah no, i appreciate <laughs> that it was mentored definitely i had the instructor there with me nice. but it was uh yeah that was the first one so nice that's awesome yeah so that was your foray into it then yeah that was your first step kind of yeah i went out to bc and i spent some time out there learning how to do white tails and how to do them proper and the right way of doing everything and that was kind of it's always been something i've been interested in um always been a creative guy so i've like always been in art class throughout all my time in high school and everything and uh so mixing like being creative with loving hunting in the outdoors kind of works pretty well and uh so when I was going to learn, I wanted to, I spent a lot of time searching for the right place to go and learn because I wanted to learn how to do it right. I didn't want to go somewhere and then come back and have to refigure out everything. Like yeah, I wanted yeah. to spend the money, go somewhere and come back confident that I'm going to be able to do like a good quality shoulder mount. Yeah. yeah. A good product. Yeah. And I'm sure glad I did because it's uh, made just the, made the whole experience more fun. Yeah. Doing this now. So no kidding. How long ago was that? 2016 or 2017 Yeah, is when I went out there. So then, you were working in electrical or uh, was it? Uh, yeah, so I was, before I stopped to do tax on my full time, I was in electrical. And then uh, prior to electrical, I worked pretty much all around Canada. I was fixing hail damage on cars, like paintless dent repair. So I worked from like pretty much Toronto to the border, like in BC and stuff and every little town in between. And then uh, had kids. And so being gone 300 days of the year wasn't appealing anymore. Mm-hmm. And decided to come back home. And then, yeah, I got into, well, I did gas piping and refrigeration for a while. And then did some ele- electrical for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, taxidermy took over, which was never really the plan. But <laughs> I'm glad it happened. But yeah. uh, working out pretty good for you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think at the high school career fairs they have like the taxidermy on the. No, definitely not. <laughs> but it's it, it's interesting, eh? Because it's like there really seems to be, I don't know, would you call it a resurgence? But like, there's more attention 
I feel like being paid to like quality taxidermy nowadays than yeah it's and I think a lot of it comes back to like how much time guys are putting into hunt into hunting now and like guys are taking it so serious you know like there's uh you got those guys that are running I don't know how many trail cameras all summer and they got those few deer they want to get that they've had on camera for years and when they get them they're like they take their time picking where to take it and I think that's a big part of it too is just mm-hmm. uh you know the I'm going to say the quality of like the hunter nowadays like how much time they're putting into everything yeah compared to like you know like when my dad and his brothers were hunting they didn't really give a heck you know push and bush yeah yeah exactly how did you decide or when did you decide to that you know like taxidermy was going to be it like you were going to put your chips into that that pot kind of so it was never really supposed to like i i've always thought like the competition side of taxidermy has been just fascinating like how guys can the things people can do with taxidermy and how they can make things look has always just blown me away and some of the giant displays that guys make you know it's always been so that's always kind of the avenue i wanted to go down i wanted to try and do that and then uh um it's just like you know slowly couple guys couple buddies would shoot deer and i'd do them in the shop and then a few people they know would shoot them and started to get more and more and more in and then uh last year electrical was a little bit slow and uh I just figured, you know what, I'd see what, how many deer I could get in the shop. And it was just pretty much opening the floodgates and <laughs> it didn't stop all fall. So <laughs> that's awesome. Well, obviously you've been doing some good work cause you still got a stack of antlers over there Yeah, to do from last year. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, slowly getting through them, but were, were there any like really big learning curves hopping into the industry or like what what did you find was maybe something that was kind of un- unexpected when you were getting into it um ah, every i kind of relearned everything as i came here because like one night you go to learn you go there with i had two sets of antlers with no capes he said he had capes like had capes for me so uh go there to learn and like it was long enough because i was just learning whitetails but at the same time it's like when you come back home now no one's here to help me no one's here to like oh don't do that do it this way you know yeah so it was uh a little bit nerve-wracking at the start because it's kind of like you're trying to remember how you did everything and then uh it uh just yeah but it's um the tanning and everything was a big one for me like just getting my tanning down how i wanted it and you know getting the hides to where they won't shrink too much and all that. But uh, once I got back home and I started doing it more, like I spend, and I still do, I'll spend hours in the evening just scrolling through like wildlife photographers' profiles on social media and I'll, they'll have a picture of a deer. I'll zoom in on it. I'll take a screenshot and I'll just study that picture mm-hmm. and study like the shape of the eye and what the deer's doing in that point and like, what the posture of the deer is and what he's doing with his ears. And just so when someone asks for like a upright mount looking this way, and then I kind of know like, okay, well his ears are probably going to be kicked like this. And is, you know, so. Is that kind of like the artistic side of it that you were kind of talking about is like trying to recreate that, that moment or try to get as close to that realism as, as possible. Yeah. I think that's totally it. That's uh, and that's something that, I just I really enjoy out of it is getting 
trying to capture what that deer is going to be like in that situation and where like what kind of form it is where you know lots of lots of taxidermists will take on a bunch of work and then it's just the exact same thing every time and i just i kind of like i like trying to keep each one a little bit more personal to that deer Mm -hmm. and uh as and keeping it look as realistic as i can but that's just like i just i love that side of it like it's pretty cool that my homework and studying is looking at pictures of deer or (laughs) half the time now when i'm scouting i'm like not even i'm just looking at the deer and what the deer's doing and it's like how he's posturing and stuff yeah 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 i guess you have to almost look at stuff a lot differently um in the field and and in the photos and stuff and when you're looking at other taxidermy Oh yeah, like oh, I don't know if we've done that or yeah. that's good. Oh, for sure, kind of yeah. 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 Speaking of looking at other taxidermy, there's there's a mount at the Sharp Tail Hotel in Ashern <laughs> above the pool table that I think you really need to see there, Thomas. It's uh, I don't know how would you describe it, Chase. Maybe it looks like it's gonna break out into song at any point in time. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I love the Sharpie. They uh, they have the coldest beer in Ashburn, but it uh, and it's almost like a nostalgic kind of like feature in in the bar at that point in time. But, oh man, <laughs> that's like one of my favorite parts of taxidermy is just like the nostalgia around it. Yeah, because those old mounts, like it's like it's one of those things, you know, like you see one of those old mounts and it's like you can laugh and tell a story about yeah. it. Or like I like I think of one of my dad's buddies, and uh, when I used to go out to his place when we were young, he had white tails mounted all over the place caribou elk and moose and it was just like the coolest thing i would just every time we'd go there i'd ask to go into his little trophy room yeah and he had this big chair there and there was moose <laughs> and caribou and white tails and i was just like blown away by it and it's just like that's one thing i just love about it is there is that nostalgia around it and it's yeah it's a pretty cool thing yeah no kidding the uh i guess the other thing too that that really comes together with like especially like a a good representative of what the animal is is just like the story that comes with that too right oh yeah and you you gotta know once that thing's hanging on the wall how many times that story is going to be told by whoever's hanging it up there right oh for sure we we love a good hunting story too so i was really as soon as i walked in here the first thing that popped in my head i was like man i wonder how many cool hunting stories this guy gets to hear every year like I'm sure everyone who come well minus that one woman you told us about who dropped off her husband's deer in her scrubs. Yeah. <laughs> she might not be telling a hunting story. Yeah. But no. I'm sure every guy is rolling in here with a uh you know, a guy or gal is rolling in here with a, a deer in their the back of their truck is oh, yeah. just ready to tell the Yeah, and that's like that's what makes mounts exciting for me. Like it can be some of my favorite mounts and the favorite deer I've worked on aren't the biggest ones that have been in here. It's like I had this lady and she'll forever be one of my favorite clients and uh she's an older lady and she shot this deer last year and it was like a it was a hundred i think i scored it for it was like a 151 five by five like a big solid deer it's a respectable deer yeah so she was like just blown away by it like so excited and uh she split the thing right up through the brisket right up to the white patch in the front <laughs> and stuff and i was just like normally that cape really wouldn't have been able to be saved but i was just like you know what for this lady i'm gonna so i fixed it and you'd never be able to tell there's a seam in the front but how excited she was 
Like it just blew me away and it made me so excited to work on her deer. And uh, I got it done a little bit early for her and she was like just so, so excited. And it was probably one of my favorite deer I'll ever work on. And she'll forever be one of my favorite clients. Like she messages me all the time and she's just one of the coolest ladies I've ever had in the shop. That's amazing, man. I think like, especially for, for somebody like that, which, which she knew her taunting or she uh, have quite a bit I of experience? I believe she's newer into it. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like for someone like that to get that like affirmation from somebody who's just surrounded by monster trophy animals all yeah. day and be like, yeah, this is awesome. Oh yeah. Well, and she was in here and she had her deer and there was like a couple 200 inches laying around she's like yeah those are neat she's like but my deer is my favorite and I, was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like i love that like, man she's just yeah just the coolest like that's awesome yeah that, that's kind of a nice attitude to, or like a refreshing attitude to have in some well way. yeah because like i'll get some deer in here that are like 170 inches and the guys come in and they're like you know whatever drop it off and it's like man this is like a beautiful deer and they're not even super don't even seem super excited about it yeah but it's uh, it's awesome to see when people come in here and they're just over the moon excited. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I got a couple one thirties and like a one fifteen hanging on the wall at home. <laughs> <laughs> not not mounted. They're just they're uh, European mounts, but yeah, yeah. I'm pretty happy about them. <laughs> <laughs> they all got stories, all right. Well, if you look at my wall, yeah. I got a lot of hundred twenty five, hundred thirty inches in here. Yeah, yeah, there's some cool bucks up there, man. The one thing I do enjoy about like seeing all the racks lined up is like you re- really can tell how unique every animal is oh yeah for sure like yeah. man I, I like that that which i'm assuming is like a super old buck there with like the bladed out front on the on that right hand side there and yeah that's super cool and then you got that one in the top right corner that's got something funky going on with his right antler. <laughs> yeah so that was my first archery deer was it and that one kind of sent me into the big nice spiral of archery hunting that i'm in now but uh yeah and like most of these deer all shot off the same properties and when you actually sit and you look at them you start to see a lot of like similarities between them and uh yeah lots yeah. of stuff and most of the deer in here i have years of trail camera pictures of i have sheds off them and it just uh kind of makes it <clears throat> makes it uh more pretty fun for me when you get to yeah watch a deer for a little while got a got a relationship with that deer pretty yeah much. yeah yeah so are you are you um kind of like an exclusive bull hunter these days Is yeah i had i forget what you when i started just bull hunting um but i think it's been probably close to almost nine or ten years a couple years back i picked up the gun because i wanted to i wanted to gun hunt the rut and uh, so normally i tag out in like I love hunting middle September to middle October is my favorite time to hunt. Lots of people don't like that time frame, but that's just, I love that time frame of hunting deer. And, uh, so I'm going to tag out then and I never get, really get to hunt the rut. So when I picked mm-hmm. up the gun to hunt, I realized how terrible I was at hunting the rut. And then I was just like, <laughs> I was like, it's cold. I can't get on any deer. And, uh, so after that, I, I ended up getting one, but after that, I just jumped back into bow hunting and yeah, yeah. it's just, I, yeah, I just, I love bow hunting. It's So I'm curious though too. So normally that, that time of year is like pretty much when, when people say like the, the deer just disappear for a yeah, while. Yeah, I think I remember talking to Tony right. Peterson and he was like, don't do it. Don't hunt that time. <laughs> As I, was so I, I call it the October no, lull. He didn't say that. He said this, 
he's Tony said it's not a lull. People just don't know where to find the deer. Oh, okay. yeah, <laughs> that's that's just it. Yeah, yeah. So what, what's it's your? A, it's a big transition period, really. So it's kind of what I've figured out, and I mean, I'll say how I like how I hunt it, and everyone will have their own way of doing it and figuring it out. But like to me, like that period of time, those deer are in a midst of transition from their like early fall foods to going to their winter grounds to kind of where they're going to rut in those general areas. So it's just finding those areas in between and those deer, like they're not going to be out in your fields during daylight. They're not going to be, you know, they seem like they're gone, but they're, they're there. They're just, they're not really hitting food hard and Mm -hmm. they're, uh, they're just checking out, checking on everything. Mm -hmm. So finding your, like your heavy pinch points between, you know, like what a winter food source be to your summer foods. And to me, it's always like from where an alfalfa field is to where you have like something they're going to be focused on in the winter time or like a heavy duty oak ridge or an oak patch or somewhere where they can eat that kind of food source. Right. So there's lots of like, it's not action packed hunting, but if you put the time in there, you're just, you're going to have a day where one of a buck will just cruise past you and, uh, I've had good luck in that time. That's usually, I kill 95% of my deer in late September, mid-October. Nice. So that's, uh, do you, so I'm curious too about this. Are you, uh, like when you're hunting these deer, are you hunting them in the mornings and evenings or do you sit all day? When do you find the most action there? I don't do mornings in that time frame. Um, I don't do a lot of mornings. If I'm going to morning hunt, I'd probably wait. Like if I would have, if I was forced to hunt the rut, then I would probably do a lot of mornings, but I don't really like to hammer in, in the morning. Uh, I like hunting evenings. And if you get like lots of people think morning's better because you see more deer, but if you're hunting a field, yeah, there's going to be deer there in the morning, but in the evening, like those bucks probably won't make it out to the field. Mm -hmm. So like, I like, if you get back in the bush and you find those spots, those deer, you'll, find them cruising throughout yeah, the evening that's where you're gonna find the bucks yeah yeah that's cool yeah we we're talking with one of our friends too just about that point in the season too it's kind of a weird one because you'll you'll waltz in if you're hunting the evening let's say you'll waltz in at a, like what like a, a 2 p.m or 3 p.m kind of sit mm. and it'll be warm still but then by the time eight or whatever rolls around the the, the layer cold. the layers probably look a yeah. lot different eh? do you oh yeah you find that when you're hunting oh yeah for sure like you you gotta be pretty thin going in there because you're gonna like you're gonna be sweating walking into your stand in the afternoon but then once the sun starts to slowly set and if there's a little bit of a wind man it cuts right through you so you gotta have like some sort of outer layer to toss on the best is like pants with full zippers on the side so you can walk in yeah. and dump all the heat out the pants and then just uh like i'll go in and you know like a merino shirt and then once it starts to cool off you can toss a little jacket over it but uh changing yeah top layer is easy but pants like the zippered pants are huge for that that mm-hmm. time of year merino's a game changer hey eh? like it yeah like, or at least like the the some of the smarter stuff that they're coming out with like yeah. it's not like wearing like your grandma's walnut sweater yeah <laughs> oh yeah sand, yeah just scratching yeah right as soon as you start to sweat a little bit you're just itchy yeah that's so good yeah um we were talking earlier too before we had the mics on about some of the the interesting outcomes that you had too and then like and yeah. we caught a bit of the conversation 
prior to uh, at the start of the, the the podcast here too. But uh, your your first elk was a uh, out in the inner lake was pretty unique. Yeah. Right? So you done was, done uh, done a bit of elk hunting out west, done some in the in the ducks, and yeah, decided to take it closer to home. Yeah. So, yeah, my first elk hunt was. Were you coming fresh from Alberta? Was that the case? On no, this that was a couple years. I hadn't elk hunted for a little while. Okay. And uh, me and a buddy, when we were in high school, we went out with his grandpa elk hunting in the interlake. And then I was just like, I'm never doing this again in my life. So I had no, <laughs> <laughs> no interest in doing it. And then when I moved back home, I was kind of like, you know what? I'll give it a shot. And uh, I just started. You have buddies that lived up like the interlake region and uh, they were always elk hunting getting on elk so i wanted to try it out and um so i got my tag and uh talked to some landowners got on with a guy that had elk just uh crushing his field so he let me go in there and um me and a buddy went in there and uh we were going in to park on a parked on this drainage ditch to walk into his bush and uh he owned land on both sides of the road so we go in there and uh, park the truck, walk into the field. I called, and then from the property to the, it would have been on the north side of the road, elk bugles is what we thought the noise was. I think it was probably a little chuckle or something. So uh, hop back in the truck, drive onto the drainage ditch, across to the other side of the road, and then uh, run into kind of where we were, where we thought the sound was, and uh, called heard the sound again so we went in a little bit farther and then on the edge of this little um cut line there is a a spike and like a three by three bull there so i was just like holy smokes like we're getting on elk in in manitoba and uh set up in this little meadow i called and this spike cruised in and came past me at like 15 yards broadside and i was just like so i'd shoot made a good shot and i was just like beyond excited i couldn't believe it how many years ago was this oh man six or seven six years ago yeah, okay. probably yeah and uh six years ago i think and uh so we started tracking the elk and because i was getting we were gonna leave it because i was like everyone says how top elk are and uh but i was super confident in the shot and then uh, but it was starting to rain a little bit so we start tracking it and we're following it and we're looking at the blood looking at blood going along and then i look up and there's a couple cows in this little clearing now so we hunker down beside this little willow brush and we're watching these cows and there's probably 15 or so oh wow yeah it was so i was like wow this is neat and then this like good bull comes out like a nice i think it was like a six by six cruises out and i was like holy smokes like that thing's big and i'm looking to my buddy and i'm like man shot a spike and now this thing's out here and then <laughs> that bull leaves the cows goes into the bush and he's gone and i was like well that seems weird and then this giant bull comes out and still to this day biggest bull i've ever seen oh, and man. uh he's standing out there 60 yards and i look <laughs> at my buddy and i was just like i screwed up so bad and i was like i will never see an elk like this again and he's standing there and i'm like well i'm gonna see if you'll respond to a call yeah and like normally bulls like that, you don't really get them going because they have their cows. So you call, you're 100 yards away, 150 yards away. You call, they take their cows and they're gone. Yeah. 
but I'm 60 yards away from him, so I'm in his zone. Right so, in his house. Yeah, yeah, so I bugle, and this thing came into like 40 yards, staring at us, screaming. This oh, like man. the craziest bugles I've ever heard. And then he'd go, he'd do a circle around his cows, and then go to the edge of the clearing, just rip a poplar tree up and down. We'd bugle at him. He'd come back, scream at us, and it was just like... And then he eventually, like God had enough of it, rounded his cows up and he just pushed them all off, which was a super cool thing to see mm-hmm. how he could just take that group of elk and move them. Yeah. Like just like that. But it was, yeah, wild watching him just walk out of our lives forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so short track, track job after that to the, to the spiker. Yeah. So that was the worst part is then we tracked my spike. Rain came in heavy. Couldn't find him. No. Yeah, and never ended up finding him. No way. No. Ooh. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the shoulda, coulda, wouldas must have just been. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So you never found, like, did you go back and we see any birds? We found I think, five days later. Yeah. We found him with birds. Yeah. Which he didn't go far, but the rain washed the blood. Yeah. And then, like, that inch, like, brush man mm. it's just wild like he it was like a hazel patch he ran into oh, and yeah. we walked probably uh 10 yards 15 yards by him yeah and just couldn't see him in there like you would have had to i literally had to push willows out of the way to get to where the birds were to find him wow that's what like uh since i've been doing like a lot more early season hunting like we we grew up hunting the rut pretty much like late season muzzle rifle kind for of white tail for white tail yeah and uh I, I think i said this on one of our recent podcasts too but like tracking was never a big issue like you get yeah there's always tracks in the snow or That's whatever right there's no yeah. leaves on the trees you just go but uh the early season stuff is a different game man oh yeah especially if there's if you're having trouble finding blood yeah which well, rain is not great for. No, <laughs> not at all. Well, in the deer I shot last year, um, velvet deer, and uh, I had a buddy that shot a velvet deer opening day, which I wanted to hunt opening day, but my wind was bad. So I waited, and then uh, buddy shot one, and he told me he did, and he was going to go track it. And then he didn't find it, went back the next morning, found it, and this thing sh- just shred all the velvet off its antlers when it was running through the bush. Oh, man. So he tells me that. As I'm sitting in the tree stand the next day, and I shot my deer, and then uh, I bumped it when I was trying to get out of the bush, and the thing ran away. So then all that's going through my mind is like, he's just going to be shredded when we find him. And yeah. it was like, I was just, and then we ended up having to stop looking that night. He was only 100 yards from where we, I shot him, but it was just in the bush. I couldn't find anything. Yeah. And uh, luckily, he didn't sh- shred any velvet, but yeah. it was just paranoid about that oh man that's wild yeah it's yeah it's tough i i don't know what i would do in that scenario it's just like i don't just let her rip back okay <laughs> i wasn't sure yeah. yeah that's almost like an ode to sheldon in some ways like <laughs> yeah sheldon would our other partner there would intentionally crack him right into the microphone <laughs> just to signify that we're having a good time Ooh. but yeah I don't know, and that's that's one of the worst fears too. Even just hunting the inner lake, I know we talk about the inner lake a lot already, but just like sometimes I'm walking through that shit and I'm like, how am I actually gonna get a shot off? There's like there's not even a window in the like next and you know those bulls that you're hunting full well know what the 
they're they're in the thickest shit that they can find. Yeah. And they're they're like they're not gonna go waltz out into an open meadow just because you would like them to. Right? Yeah. It's it's pretty wild to think. Oh yeah. Like yeah. So I was hopeful when we had some of those burns come through the past couple of years, but I don't know if they're in the same the the way the poplars come up in those burns. Oh man. Like you can't even what what used to be thick bush is almost like impassable bush. Yeah, it gets that little growth, those little poplars and stuff yeah. growing, and they're all like five it's, inches apart. It's like a hog's back, man. I, I tried to, the wind was bad on one of my elk elk spots a few years ago, and I tried cutting through the middle of one of those burns, and it was just a nightmare. Yeah. I was like losing arrows all over the place. I had to backtrack <laughs> to find my arrows. Yeah. Just, You're lucky you found them. Mess. Yeah. Oh, I know. It was a mess. It was yeah. wild. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. So, we, we chatted a little about... You, you told us about the lady that brought in the buck, buck there that you that she was just so jazzed up about. Is there, there any other, like, stories that really stick out in your mind as, like, favorite experiences working on people's animals or even just customers in general? Um, It's, like, it's people like her that yeah. are my, like, make the, make it what it is. You know, getting to see their excitement, and especially when they pick their mounts up, everyone's always excited. So that's like the best part is totally. how excited they are when they come to get their mounts and stuff. Yeah. But uh, as for stuff like really sticking out, it's uh, besides her. It's like she's she just sticks out more than anyone because she was so so excited. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's pretty excited. Yeah. So there's like not anything else that really jumps out because everyone's mm-hmm. pretty. Is there any? Uh, do you have any advice as like uh, what to not do as a customer? Like, have you had any uh, like we'll say you don't have to name names, but any like difficult encounters <laughs> or? Uh, um, I think it's just like with what any taxidermist would say. Yeah. Um, you know, messaging a guy every second week <laughs> about his mount isn't gonna get it done faster. Totally. And then, uh, but I try and, you know, like I'll, I'll never be ignorant to a guy when they're messaging me, but I'll just try and tell them like what the time frame is. This is what I told you. This is still, we're sticking to that time frame. Yeah. We have six more months to go. Texting me once a week isn't going to change that. Mm-hmm. But uh, besides that, and then like, that's about really it. That's the big one, eh? Yeah. 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 Because like, what well, lots of guys got to remember too is, you know, I have hundred and however many clients, right? So you might you might think oh you know what i'll just message him every once in a while but you know when you get a handful or 20 or 30 guys doing that yeah it's not just one so you know it's like phone's going off the hook yeah and then yeah but that's about it other than that it's you know pretty good like yeah what uh we're dealing with like some uh some new regulations around some of the cwd stuff here in manitoba and i imagine a lot of folks are a little concerned if they're going to be able to like keep their heads and all that and and bring them in for taxidermy but right. um so a i think there's going to be a lot of guys or a lot of hunters that uh might be keeping their own animals out as opposed to having someone with that's more experienced keep them out what kind of tips or what are some like the taxidermist to do's that you would recommend um if a guy wants to get a shoulder mount and he has to like if it's shot in an area where it needs to be tested for cwd 
and he's planning on getting a shoulder mount, I think you have like a time frame of when you have to take it in, right? It's a couple days, I think. Yeah. yeah. So I like, contact a taxidermist. Preferred method would be to get him to cape it out because realistically, like when you take it to a taxidermist, he's got to cape it within a day or something anyways. Like you got to get the cape off and in the freezer. So if it's going to be shoulder mounted, mm-hmm. then get him, take it to your taxidermist, let him get the cape out. But if you are going to cape it yourself, just take your time. Um, be super careful when you're skinning out around the eyes, around the tear duct. Try and like you need a lot of skin on the inside of the eyelid to do a shoulder mount properly. Those those tear ducts run pretty deep in that, they in that cavity too, right? Yeah, and guys don't realize how far down they go. Mm-hmm. Um, which the tear ducts you can just sew them back up if they're cut out, cut out, but preferred they're there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's just taking your time on it and being careful. Like it's uh. You need inside of the lip to do a tax to do tax term. You need inside of the lip, inside of the nose, inside of the like inside of the eyelids. Try and take more than you. Mo- way yeah. Take uh, as much as you can, pretty much. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you were saying bring some salt with you would be a good idea, eh? Yeah. So like, if I was gonna go out and that's like to do the mule deer hunt, um, me going out there to do it and then having to take it to a drop-off location, I would just have salt with me, and uh, I would flush it out. Like, So lots of guys don't really know how to flush the deer out anyways, but like, all I would just, I'd cape, if I shot a mule deer, I'd cape yeah. it out, I'd salt the hide, because then the hide's pre- preserved. It's, right. The salt will kill everything, dry it out, so even if they want it, like, it's, they'll let you keep that, mm-hmm. and then, uh, yeah, drop the head off and... But like you were saying, you'd have to take the flesh off the hide before you salted it. Yeah. 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 Because the salt has to be able to penetrate into the skin. So you need that little fat layer out of there and you need uh, all the meat off of it. So a few steps. Yeah. If you're going to be fleshing. But you could also skin it, freeze it, right? Exactly. And then bring it in. Yeah. 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 So good plan B. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's not like we're all the way back into the mountains in montana and have a three-day hike out of the yeah exactly <laughs> yeah a lot of places are accessible to freezer within a couple of days in manitoba anyway yeah yeah um i do want to circle back around for a little bit and talk about uh the the journey through learning taxidermy um you said you had a mentor or you, you look you mentioned like looking for a place to to go to but like how did you find that place and is it is it just like uh another shop that you're mentoring through or is there an actual school that you're kind of going it's, through it's a school it's the uh the guy's name is lino Griffone, and he's in castlegar bc and it's a one-on-one which was huge for me mm. i didn't want to go into a class with like 20 other guys and then everybody be getting taught because then it's not like you know it's not the same thing i wanted to go somewhere I wanted to learn one-on-one with an instructor and I wanted to, I wanted to see the kind of work the guy did before I went there. Right. Because I wanted to like, if the guy's doing really nice work, then that's what I want to learn how to do, Yeah. which I looked at his stuff and it's awesome. Like his white tails are awesome. His sheep and everything are some of the best in Canada. So that was like, for me, I was like, that's where I want to go. Cause especially being able to do it one-on-one mm-hmm. was huge. So, nice. Yeah. 
Um, so you, you got, looks like you got the whitetails down pat pretty good. Here. <laughs> <laughs> they look awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. And you said you got, uh, you got a goat coming in and you got a couple exotics sitting in the corner there. I can see along with some elk. Yeah. Um, a couple bear rugs or bear hides sitting over there. But, um, are you like, what's your next, do you have any next steps here? Are you, uh, pretty confident with, with anything that comes down the pipe or? um for me probably um like i love learning yeah so i want to go there's like seminars some guys that are world championship tax members in the states mm -hmm. i want to go down to one of those i want to sit and learn through there and just because nice. i still want to i still want to do some competitions and stuff but right right i uh i want to learn more before i try that yeah and uh but other than that, like, I just, I want to start taking on bigger stuff, you know, like bigger projects, bigger work and that kind of deal. Like your big rock displays with a oh, life size yeah, yeah. on it and that kind of stuff. And have you done any life size stuff yet or have you tried any or, um, just like little small game and stuff. And mm -hmm. then I have a coyote a personal coyote that I have to do. Well, I want to do, I just got to find the time to do it. Mm -hmm. But, uh, it's always hard to do personal work when you have a pile of, yeah. client work sitting there so yeah yeah no kidding i will one day i'll get around to it but yeah that's sweet yeah um <clears throat> if i do get a nice buck this year <laughs> or maybe i'll do it with an elk if i get an elk you know if it's a spiker yeah i want to do a backpack mount oh yeah like uh yeah. like an old rustic pack mount yeah i got a few of those in here to do nice yeah that'd be sweet like a frame pack yeah would it be? yeah like one of those old, old frames ones. right over there yeah, yeah just like that yeah yeah totally oh, that sweet great good now i gotta just kill a bull <laughs> <laughs> it's easy that's the easy part yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just been talking about that the whole time yeah no kidding uh i and i gotta ask you like do you like i feel like taxidermy like i don't want to say occupies kind of a uh a, different spot but like it's like there's not i can't imagine there's a lot of folks lining up to you know like re <clears throat> reanimate an animal basically in in some ways like, yeah no it's like and you hear lots of guys saying it's a dying art uh-huh which it totally is like there is the few odd shop that pops up that i've you know i haven't heard of them before they're younger people um but other than that like it's uh there's not a lot of young people doing it and getting into it um or getting into it the right way you know like mm -hmm. uh you can learn through youtube and stuff but it's only going to take you so far it'll never take you to the point where you can do like that mount where people look at and they're like wow like that's that looks awesome that's mm -hmm. gonna it's you know you'll level out pretty fast learning online yeah but there's not a lot of people getting into it and then lots of the older guys like they're kind of not wanting to take on as much anymore so it's mm -hmm. there's a big void that's going to be happening pretty soon but so uh, you're kind of keeping that knowledge alive in some ways and yeah 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 has there been some shifts in like the techniques or like the the even the technology that that's used to kind of to, to keep things moving yeah, it's always changing, like just your like your style of forms and the way things are molded and shaped. Like you look at a mount from thirty years ago to what they are now, and how much more like proper the anatomy of the form is. 
Yeah. And yeah. Uh, for the deer, like the size of it, it's a actual shoulder mount now, not whereas before it was like you got a quarter part of the front shoulder and then it's neck and a head. So now you get like your full shoulder on them and stuff. And uh, like, you know, pedestals are huge now too. Mm-hmm. So guys love that with a nice wooden pedestal with a little display on it and just uh, that kind of stuff. And yeah. There's, uh, so it's always like, guys wanting that next thing you know yeah. that thing that they can put in if they have a trophy room they can put it in there and people be like holy smokes that's that's pretty cool it's nice yeah. yeah when you're when you're like uh figuring out what you need for like a whitetail mount how many different options um of mount style do you kind of have to choose there's like for just a regular shoulder mount if a guy wants them there's like three um three positions you have like uh Semi sneak, um, semi upright, and then uh, I guess yeah, you have full upright and then full sneak. Full sneak doesn't happen often. Um, I've done one of them, and uh, you're so like your basic mounts are usually a semi sneak style or a semi upright. Which semi sneak is like like these guys where it's usually how you see a whitetail, and then uh, your upright mounts are you know more obviously upright. But uh, those are really the the few that people pick from and then it's just whichever way they want them turning and looking for where they're putting them in their house. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a pile of different forms and different styles. But when you get into pedestals and stuff, it's just, it gets more expensive and you lose a lot of people with that. So yeah, most guys just go with the classic. Yeah. Yeah. What mm-hmm. about the ears? I noticed the ears like always seem to like, there's a lot of variety almost with like some of the ear positioning. Yeah. So ears are big. Um, and like when you watch deer and this is where i figured this out like the only time i'll do both ears pointed forward is if it's a full alert mount and like the it's a upright mount because when a deer is like both ears forward he's upright and he's pecked something out he's yeah. looking at it right yeah so this, he's this, like, the sneak with both yes. ears <laughs> <laughs> yeah it doesn't look a little goofy eh? <laughs> yeah so it is it doesn't work and uh, classic barroom mount i feel like yeah <laughs> yeah so like and when you watch a deer their ears are never in the same spot one ear is listening one way one ear is listening the other way and they're consistently moving and consistently listening to everything around them so like when I do a mount, ears are usually not in the same spot. Like one ear is listen one way, one ear, and it just looks way more natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's like for me, I prefer to mount them like that with the ears a little bit shifted and tilted. Unless it's a full upright mount, then they're both pinned forward. Listening, yeah. Listen forward. It's really cool just looking at the the mounts on the wall to see the difference in the in the hides even between like the the earlier season and the what i'm presuming is a later season deer oh yeah it's crazy it's actually like it's crazy to look at them so i saved a strip of cape off of my deer like my early season deer from last year and i'm gonna get hopefully this year a strip of cape from like september middle september middle of october and then like a mid-november and i like to put them all on a little board so people can see like the difference in how the capes are throughout the year because it's crazy how much they change like the early season deer that's probably like that hair is like not even a quarter inch long yeah you know it's like does uh the thickness of the of the skin actually change at all or is it pretty much the same uh a little bit yeah throughout like later in the year it definitely is like those early season deers are pretty thin and like in the ears too especially in the ears oh yeah the yeah, yeah. ears on an early season deer are just like paper thin so 
it's got to be that's, yeah. that's really wild to think about like yeah huh yeah like when you actually look at them like it's crazy so when you mount an early season deer everything's got to be perfect because yeah. that hair will not hide anything so yeah no kidding everything's oh yeah i guess that's true eh? right yeah yeah and so like with the shoulder mounts even like i'm thinking like have you had to do any like arrow work with uh, <laughs> you know a few pass-throughs or something like that that have maybe um not so much arrows lots of neck shots with rifles a <laughs> 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 couple headshots yeah but, uh, are guys swearing by the neck shot is that what's happening some is... guys just love them neck shots yeah yeah you know? and i would rather fix 10 knife holes than a couple bullet holes is that right yeah i well, guess the, the, the bullet rips eh? like it doesn't so it singes the hair oh, so yeah. it might be a little hole but you have to cut out the area wherever the hair is singed so a hole that's a quarter inch bullet hole turns into a like a three inch hole that you have to cut to get wow. rid of all the singed hair. No oh. kidding, eh? So and then you have to stitch that. Is that what yeah. that works? Yeah. Yep. So, huh. So neck shots not ideal. <laughs> if, yeah. Yeah. If you're wanting a shoulder mount. Yeah. Yeah. Just aim for the vitals. Yeah. Get it done the old fashioned. Shoot it in the lungs. Don't split the brisket. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling like we're getting all the pro tips here now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Watch the little YouTube videos too. If you're uh, caping out your own your own animal. Yeah. If I can shoot one this year, I'm going to do a tutorial on how to. Are you? Yeah. Nice. Just save me. Hopefully save me some headache in the future. But oh, yeah. Totally, man. I've seen same thing. I like you're talking about how like some people split them right up the center. My, my buddy actually shot a really nice buck last year. And uh, he's like, oh, he's telling me how he's got the buck. He's like, oh, I can't wait getting this thing mounted. And his buddies, his buddy who he's hunting with, gutted it out for him and just split it right up to oh, the neck no. pretty much. And he's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, man. Oh. Oh, yeah. So don't let your buddies gut your deer either. No. <laughs> A lot of times, like, guys are taking their time and they're or like, they're hunting with their old man and their old man gets in there to help them oh, and yeah. he's just going knife happy and he's like <laughs> <laughs> hair flying yeah. yeah you know that's a thing though like i didn't realize like how knife happy is the way to describe it because i remember cleaning deer with dad in the fall chase and he was like you were already in there with your knife and he's in there with his knife and he's telling you where you need to cut the deer while well, you already have half your hand up this like deer's throat on its larynx basically <laughs> it's like you gotta cut back here at the hind corner and it's like what are you like, what? Yeah. Yeah. and he's got his knife ready to go i was like let's just calm down for a second <laughs> yeah we're gonna cut one thing at a time yeah <laughs> and no one's gonna get stabbed today yeah. yeah no one's gonna go home with a knife in the arm yeah, yeah. that's for sure yeah, I don't know if he thought we poached the thing, but we did everything legally. Yeah. There's, there's no need to rush. It's just kind of like wild like that. Um, I think he's just excited. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so. Totally. Have you done any moose yet? Like uh, Lots of euros. Yeah. I was supposed to do a shoulder mount of the bull guy shot in the Yukon last year. And then he's just like. I don't know where I'd even put it. He says no, he's no, yeah. so big. Yeah. So he just went for a plaque mount. But yeah, I feel bad about our moose. We got Northern Manitoba. It's just sitting on my garage floor right now because I got nowhere. It's like a garage moose now. Yeah. And it's 
Oh, they're so big. They're decent size. You need you need room to be able to like an shoulder mount elk and moose. They take up space. Yeah, like, yeah. That's that's my dream house to have like the yeah. the vaulted ceiling and then have like a, a moose and an elk looking back at each other. Yeah, from either side for sure. So you need to build a house around your mounts. Is yeah, pretty much. What we're yeah. doing here. Yeah, our cabin, cabin. Let me hunting cabin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> big A frame looking out on the water. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Might have to win the lottery first, though, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we're uh, getting pretty close to the end of this one, but uh, Tristan, you got any, anything you want to? Man, I just like up? kind of a, I don't know if I'm just feeling the pressure now. <laughs> kind of opportune time to be chatting this kind of activity right before we're heading out into the Elkwoods for a long <laughs> weekend. So, yeah. <laughs> I know my heart rate's up a little higher right now and the, the pressure's on, it almost feels like. So uh, I hope we perform is what, I, what I'm saying here. Yeah, totally. I, I, um, I've i been telling myself that I'm going to take any any elk that I see just to get the, the monkey off my back with the Did bow. Did you just listen to the story? I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now we're talking backpack mounts and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So I got to like hold out for like a minimum six by six yeah. <laughs> in the backpack <laughs> yeah, yeah totally. but we'll see where it goes yeah and i'm sad i don't got an elk tag this year but yeah that's a, that's a fun hunt that's for sure oh yeah you get but you got an elk last year right yeah but i didn't really get to experience elk season last year <laughs> yeah that's right too right yeah you got that 20, super early. 23 minutes of hunting oh yeah. my god i can't complain at all but i was ready to put the boots to the ground and hammer out a week of elk hunting and yeah didn't happen oh man i'd take 23 minutes this year i think yeah yeah we've got some good time in in the elk woods so yeah we'll see what happens hopefully it's funny how like it how it can come together yeah you know like i wasn't expecting to shoot an elk that day i just wanted to get out there it was like plus 30 and uh just you know what i wanted to i just wanted to go elk hunting I'd shot my deer a week prior and I hadn't gone elk hunting yet and uh, wanted to get out there. So just picked an evening and texted my buddy and we went and yeah, it just happened. Happened to go into the spot where we thought they might have been and just so happened that day they were there. Yeah. And it was, yeah. Sometimes you got to be lucky. That's just it. Yeah. I feel like the best mindset to have elk hunting, especially Manitoba, is like, don't anticipate to to shoot your elk until the last day of the season, but uh, hunt hard all season. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Expect to hunt hard all season. Yeah. That's that's our experience, anyways. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> yeah, like because like it can happen at any point. Yeah. When they can be down for most of the season, not really called, and then one day they're just going to be going. And like last year, the first couple days of season, all the guys I knew that were elk hunting were heavy into elk. And just the bulls were ripping right off the bat. And I had my deer on trail camera. And I was like, well, I have to hunt this deer. Yeah. Like, I have to try and hunt this whitetail. So I thought I was uh, thought I was going to miss it. But luckily, they were still going by the time I went elk hunting. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Maybe that's the strategy, eh? Just wait. What? How many weeks? Two weeks or? I think it was only like a week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're right on pace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good news. Tommy's guaranteed us an elk. But <laughs> 20, 20 minutes, 23 minutes. Yeah, 23 yeah. minutes. All right, perfect. Well, Tommy, I think we'd like to thank you for coming on and uh, sharing just a little bit 
little bit around the taxidermy and being outdoors and um anything you'd like to kind of cap off on any anything to listeners or i think i'm pretty good it's probably good luck to everyone that's out there hunting yeah yeah hopefully elk season's going well the mosquitoes are so bad this year i'm sad i don't have a tag but i also not too upset because there's a few mosquitoes out so we've gotten spoiled in the past couple years i feel like yeah past couple falls so yeah that's awesome. Well, uh, well, thanks for having us in your shop here, and thanks for uh, joining us on this conversation. It's fun. I mean, uh, the time spent, the time that you get to spend this this fall in the field. I wish you luck. Yeah, thank you. You guys too. Take, um, take us in your gear post. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>